The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL Fantasy Flex episode of the award-winning Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the show. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, and here with me are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network Director of Predictive Analytics. Chris is a Senior Editor and Analyst at the Action Network, and they are two of the best fantasy football rankers in the world. In this episode, a little bit later on, we are highlighting the players at the top of our Week 8 rankings in the Fantasy Tool at the Action Network. We are discussing the guys we're high and low on and looking at how they do in our Fantasy Labs models, and we are speculating on some player props. But before all of that, we are taking a quick look at a few fantasy takeaways so far as we enter the midway point of the season. And then I will have a conversation with the one and only Phil Yates, an NFL insider at ESPN. He will be giving us his insight on possible roster moves we might see in advance of the upcoming NFL trade deadline. Sean, Raybon, I hope you guys are doing well. Sean, I'm going to kick it to you first. Give us a fantasy takeaway from weeks one through seven. I would say my biggest takeaway is that it's absolutely critical to make sure that any of these high upside backup running backs are not available in your league. Last year, I don't think there was as much turnover as we're used to. So maybe people have been complacent, but this year, my God, you know, a lot of these backup running backs um, have been thrusted in the starter role due to various injuries and other things. So uh, it's just critical to make sure that you stash as many high upside backup running backs as possible. Um, and I'm doing my running back upside chart um, updated in season. I'll be updating that later this week. So be sure to check that out to make sure that these running backs aren't available in your league. Yeah, I mean, week seven uh, in DFS was Giovanni Bernard and Jamal Williams week. Uh, no, no better time to remind you the uh, backup running backs at some point. They really do matter. Raybon, what is a takeaway for you so far? Rookies. Everyone came into the season kind of doubting rookies. Oh, we got to fade rookies. Uh, I don't think that's that strategy has really worked out too well. I mean, if you're fading rookies, you're fading guys like Justin Jefferson, T Higgins, Justin Herbert, even, um, you know, DeAndre Swift, like there's just so many rookies that are killing right now. So, um, and, and some of them haven't even broke out. Like I think we're, we're still yet to see Henry Ruggs break out. I thought Denzel Mims had a decent first game, all things considered, you know, for that horrible Jets team. So uh, I think you continue to buy rookies. Um, if people are willing to trade them, try to get ahead of the breakouts because every week we're starting to see like maybe one or two more kind of have their big breakout game. All right. My takeaway is that the gap right now between Alvin Kamara and every other running back is just absolutely massive. It's not quite the gap that we saw from Christian McCaffrey last year versus sort of like your average RB1, but it is still pretty significant. I, I just see a massive tier of middling running back production outside of, we'll say, the, the top six guys at the position. And if you don't have Kamara, I mean, you know this, you don't need me to tell you, your team 
probably isn't looking all that great right now. But of course, that is a good reason to uh, pivot to DFS. And I want to remind everyone to participate in the best DFS contest ever, the Action Network Podcast Tournament of Champions presented by BetMGM. It is a free custom tournament on Yahoo for our listeners. You can join by clicking the link in the show description each week. The top 10 finishers get over $1,000 in Action Network prizes and the top five finishers punch their ticket to the wildcard weekend grand finale where they compete for the grand prize, a Las Vegas trip for two valued at $5,000 courtesy of BetMGM. Again, listeners can join for free every week. Click on the link in the episode description to join. All right, let's get to the guest. All right, we are joined by Phil Yates, an NFL insider for ESPN. Phil, how's it going? Hey, I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me on and glad that we're in the throes of football season. And we've got a couple of hurdles along the way, but uh, it's great to be in the midst of the best time of the year. Yeah, it's great to be talking to you. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, about four years ago, maybe even a little bit longer than that, uh, you know, I had you on a, a podcast that uh, I was doing at the time and Man, your uh, career has really taken off since then. So, one, I guess I'd just like to say uh, you're welcome for all that I, I did for you. Uh, and then, two, it's just it's, it's nice to be able to talk with you again. I've restrained myself from being creepy and sliding into your DMs, you know. So it's it's good, really, to have the opportunity face to face to talk here o- over video, well, of course. That's right. Well, of course. And back to you, by the way. I mean, who would have thought? Where where was the action network in like the uh, the planning process and like the 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 growth four years ago? Right. Like it's amazing how far things have come for both of us. So uh, good to catch you up, and uh, good to see you continuing to do what you do, which is turn out great content. All right, let's uh, get talking about the trade deadline, which uh, it feels like is rapidly uh, approaching for the NFL. And you know, big picture question: We've recently had Ryan Fitzpatrick benched with the Miami Dolphins. I'm a Cowboys fan. I would love the idea of the Cowboys trading for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Who knows if that actually happens, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, what do you see happening with him on the trade market? Unless somebody blows the Dolphins out of the water with a great, great offer, and that would have to be like a day two pick in the draft, I would think. I can't imagine he gets dealt. And part of the reason I say that is that I mean, first of all, it's hard to find a perfect suitor. As disappointed as I'm sure you are, and many Cowboys fans are, after Andy Dalton's debut, you know, the team invested $3 million guaranteed in him. They feel like he's got a good grasp of the system at the very least. It's going to go, you know, it has other places to go, but most likely will go up from where it was this past Monday night. And then, you know, as much as Fitzpatrick was disappointed in the decision this past week, you know, this is part of the reason why the Dolphins have valued him. He's a quarterback tutor who also can be a starting quarterback. So he may be frustrated and he may be upset. And he may be heartbroken, which, by the way, are all human reactions to what happened when you get benched uh, after leading your team to three wins in six games. The Dolphins still value his ability in a tutor role to Tua enough that I don't foresee a trade happening unless, again, I'm talking about a, a deal that, uh, to, to lean on a cliche is quite literally too good to refuse. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, go from Miami to New York, New York, where uh, Sam Darnold has, I mean, I feel like he's just been embroiled in horrible circumstances, you know, beyond his control, but there are, you know, whispers uh, potentially that maybe the, the Jets feel as if it's best to uh, end the Darnold era. I don't really see that happening, but do you think that's something that could happen? Yeah, I don't. And uh, here's the reason why. If you're doing that, obviously, that puts you in the market for a quarterback next year. And as we all know, 
in the 2021 draft class. And, uh, you know, the, I guess the evaluation can change from late, August, uh, late October to uh, late April. But we see one player who stands well above the rest, and that's Trevor Lawrence. And as much as a lot of teams would love Trevor Lawrence, he's only going to end up with one franchise. So the Jets could trade Sam Darnold. Obviously, they would turn the keys over to Joe Flacco for the rest of the season. But the more important thing is you got to find a way to lose your way to the top in this case. And it may sound on paper like a good idea. Let's say you could get a second-round pick for Sam Darnold, who still has the remainder of this year plus next year, and a fifth-year option if a team exercises it on his rookie contract. You know, if you get Sam Darnold or if you give Sam Darnold away and then you wind up with the third pick in the draft, which might only take two wins this year, then, you know, you're not getting Trevor Lawrence and you're still going to get a really nice prospect, whether it's a quarterback or uh, another top tier player. But still, I, I think the reason why you'd move off of Sam Darnold is because there is one player that feels like he is a surefire bet to be better than Sam Darnold in better circumstances because your point is well taken. Sam Darnold has been playing with bad wide receivers, bad offensive line, and in a lot of ways a bad system for his entire career. There's only one guy, though, that could be a uh, decided clear upgrade, and that's Trevor Lawrence. And you're not guaranteed to get him unless you finish with the first pick in the draft. All right, let's talk about Dwayne Haskins, who I think is in kind of a similar situation to uh, to Sam Darnold, uh, although it seems as if he might be worse. And there's it seems like absolutely no loyalty from the coaching staff to Haskins. And there are reports that they have already – uh, you know, pursued the possibility of trading him. Do you think that he will be dealt? Are there teams out there that would be interested in Dwayne Haskins? So I'm not counting it out. That being said, if he's traded away, I expect this to be a sell low because it's hard to imagine anybody values Dwayne Haskins at, at a very high level right now for a few reasons. One, as you said, he's been benched. His play was I would say up and down. There were a few bright moments, but obviously this is a player. It's not like this was Kyler Murray or, you know, one of these quarterbacks that recently came into the league and from day one, the week one, day one starter became this instant superstar or close to instant superstar. So I think that beyond the up and down play, he was a guy that coming into the draft, there was a consensus, right? If you go back and look at the draft over the past like 10 or 15 years, the sweet spot for top quarterbacks is actually like the exact opposite of where he goes. Like usually we see guys well gone by the time or, or long gone, I should say, by the time we get to pick 15, which is where Dwayne Haskins was taken, right? You normally see if a quarterback's the real deal, you usually see guys go in the first seven to 10 picks. And then if the league is like not so certain, it ends up closer to like the 25 to 32 range. And instead, you had a player in Dwayne Haskins that went right in the middle of the first round. It felt like, felt like he sort of just fell into Washington's lap. But there were teams behind Washington that could have used a quarterback prospect that probably wouldn't have had to pay such a precipitous price to go up the draft board. So anyways, I mentioned that because I don't think his value league-wide is particularly robust. I think if he is traded, it'll be for a very modest price package maybe for, you know, a day three pick or two. I can't imagine he gets something like a third or a second round pick. I just can't see it. All right, let's talk about Le'Veon Bell, who was recently traded to the Chiefs. You know, not really thinking about the short term, but more of the longer term for this season. How do you see him fitting into the Chiefs' plans, you know, in December, January, potentially a Super Bowl? 
Yeah, I think, I, I think it's actually a better question framed that way than right away. Most people are like, you know, how much are we going to see from Le'Veon in this first week or two with the Chiefs? I'm not entirely sure, and I don't even know if the Chiefs know. But I think the idea of this acquisition is there may come a time in December or January where we need either a little bit of extra work because Clyde Edwards Lair, who has been great, but still, he's a rookie who I understand that LSU played 15 games last year. But still, the rigors of the NFL are different than the rigors of playing at LSU. It's a longer season. You could potentially be playing for 19 or 20 weeks. And Le'Veon adds something that I don't know that uh, they have in their backs behind Clyde edwards Lair. He's a better pass catcher, probably a little bit more versatile than Darrell Williams and Darwin Thompson. And I don't view the move to acquire Le'Veon as an indictment of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think I look at it more as a team in the Chiefs in a position to be opportunistic, being opportunistic because it's not like it cost them a ton. I mean, the contract is incredibly, incredibly team-friendly, and this is a player that probably could have gone to a few different spots and chose the Chiefs. He wants to be there. He understands that he's going to have to play by their rules as opposed to expecting them to build the offense around him. I'm interested in a couple of wide receivers with the Bengals, A.J. Green and John Ross. A.J. Green is in a franchise season. It seems as if this is likely to be his last year with the Bengals. John Ross has already openly requested a trade. Do you see anything happening with either of those players? I could see John Ross being on the move because you're right. I mean, he, he just he's the odd man out. The issue with A.J. Green, I think, is pretty straightforward. It's just not worth the price tag, right? I mean, he's making so much more. I believe the franchise tag value for him, which is different than other wide receivers, was $18.5 million or in that range. So if you're acquiring close to half a season of A.J. Green, you're still talking about a $9 million commitment for a guy who prior to week six had been, I mean, just brutal. And he's 31 years old. You're acquiring him. Uh, are you giving up a draft pick for a player that might only be on your roster for half a season? If you sign him after this year, are you comfortable paying a 31, soon to be 32-year-old wide receiver who certainly from an athletic standpoint is not quite what he was? I think that A.J. Green stays in Cincy. I think John Ross, though, if I'm the Bengals, I'm at least you know looking for some lines out there, throwing some lines out there because – I don't expect them to get a huge return for a player that was once a first-round pick, but if you can at least get some sort of usable asset, I think as easy as the Jets are to target for what they have done this year, we've seen them recently start to offload players. And even if what they're doing is offloading players for third-day picks, fifth, sixth, seventh rounders, like I'd rather those, I'd rather extra shots at young athletes in the, you know, the, the draft than guys who aren't going to be with me going forward. All right, so those are some of the guys I'm interested in. What matters a little bit more, who are the guys you are hearing rumors about? I think that the names that are um, – well, here, here's what I'd say. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the trade deadline action – let's start here – picks up a little bit more prior to the deadline. You, you know, usually it's like we're waiting with bated breath until 359.59 um, on – Tuesday, I think, I believe it's the Tuesday after Halloween every year that the trade deadline is. So this year it's November 3rd, it's election day. So um, usually we are keeping an eye up until the very last moment. I think this year it might be that we see some action as we did with the Yannick and Gakwe trade. Um, 
that happens sooner than the trade deadline. Because again, not just uh, the fact that teams are you know motivated, also that you know teams right now uh, you're gonna have to pass a COVID protocol. It's gonna be five or six days before you can get traded and join in with your team. So um, let me start with a couple of teams after now that we've established sort of the baseline. Um, I think Atlanta is interesting, and I don't know. I don't. I don't believe Matt Ryan. I, I don't. Not entirely sure on Julio Jones, but the Falcons are an interesting roster given that they're, you know, they, they have struggled out of the gates with the 0 and 5 start, fire your head coach, fire your general manager. You may not be tearing it down this offseason, but if you've got guys that are a year away or a year or two away from free agency, they should be on the table if I'm the Atlanta Falcons. Same thing goes for the Jets. We talked about them already. So would Quinn Williams, for example, be a, a name to keep an eye on? I don't know, but. Um, It'd be a tough pill to swallow given you drafted him in the first round just last year. At the same time, um, if you're Joe Douglas, you've made it clear, I'm open for business on every single player on the roster. Evan Ingram is a name that's been speculated upon a little bit uh, just because he really hasn't thrived so far in that offense. And it's not that he's not a talented player. Um, It just feels like for whatever reason, whether it's a lack of practice, whether it's the way he's being utilized, you name it. Uh, he has not been a smooth transition player for them into this new offense under Jason Garrett. And I tend to believe he and David Njoku, another guy that I would say keep an eye on as well, are valued around the league as a positive contracts if you were to acquire them, given what they are due for the rest of this year and also what they are due next year, which would be the fifth year option for each of them. I think both of them are names that I think make some sense to at least keep an eye on. All right, you mentioned there the Falcons, the Jets, and the Giants as teams that potentially might be looking to trade away some players. Uh, Which are the teams that you're thinking about that might actively be looking for pieces to acquire? Well, I think we have to probably assess who we believe are the best teams in the NFL right now and teams that are more in for 2020. Um, Because we we saw the Ravens, who were obviously – um, you know, they, they acquired Yannick Ngakwe, a very opportunistic moment for them. So I think you'll see, I don't know if I call it an arms race, but I would make sense. It would make sense to see Baltimore, San Francisco, teams that either are really good or teams that are, you know, potentially good, but need a little bit of reinforcements to push them over the top. San Francisco, I don't know that they are not cap flush per se, but an interesting team to keep an eye on just because they, um, you know, they, they stumbled a little bit out of the gates and they're in a really competitive division. The Eagles are always interesting, and the Packers are a team that, you know, the Packers uh, have for a long time had a stigma of not being particularly active in free agency and then not necessarily a splash organization when it came to transactions. Well, that's changed recently as they have, uh, you know, made some dra- uh, trade deadline trades, uh, such as HaHa Clinton Dix a couple of years ago. And this is a team that we've seen go a little more audacious um, in terms of its spending uh, in free agency. So the Packers, Eagles, 49ers, uh, I think the Vikings uh, could be an offloading team, as I mentioned. So maybe within that division, probably can cross up them. But, you know, the Ravens, the Bills might be an interesting team as well because they uh, have some money to spend. Um, they have had a really solid start, but there's probably room to improve there to be part of that AFC elite. All right. I'd like to get your thoughts on why the NFL doesn't seem to have the same kind of flurry of trade deadline action that we typically see out of a sport like the NBA or the NBL, MLB? I, I think um, because probably that we view roles in NBA, MLB, NHL rosters as much more 
like, you know, sort of uniform and specific. You're acquiring a guard or a forward in, in basketball. In baseball, it's like a second baseman's job is fairly straightforward no matter who you're playing for. Um, whereas in football, you know, every team values a certain type of offensive lineman. Some need powerful road graders. Some need athletic guys that can play as part of a zone running scheme. Um, you know, some teams need long cornerbacks who've got a good physicality like Seattle or Jacksonville or Atlanta. Some teams are looking for cornerbacks that have elite ball skills and they'll sacrifice size for elite ball skills and speed. So I think that there's just a little bit less of a cookie cutter nature to each position that that probably is a driving force behind it. Um, and then I think also some teams are just catching up. Like we've seen some organizations be super aggressive on the trade front, the Patriots, the Eagles. Uh, they I, always strike me as the two that are most open for business. The Ravens have been pretty aggressive in recent years. So um, I think other teams are going to catch up there. But I would say between the fact that there are more players on a roster and your salary cap is so much different that uh, and also roles, like I think teams have an easier time holding on to a player in the NFL than they do in the NBA where, for example, where, you know, like if you have a, Kawhi Leonard, who's unhappy in San Antonio, or uh, Jimmy Butler, who's unhappy in Chicago, and then Minnesota, and then Philadelphia, the time is ticking pretty quickly to move on, and the salary cap dictates that it may be good business for you, maybe not in the short term, but in the long term. All right, Phil, this has been great. One more question here, and then I want to hear what you have to say about Sling TV. Kind of big picture question from a fantasy perspective. Who is one guy you would want to trade for right now in anticipation of any, you know, quote unquote, real life transactions, oh, a okay. fantasy acquisition, but keeping in mind potential trades that might happen in the NFL. So trying to get ahead of that NFL action. How about Austin Hooper? And here's the reason why is that there have been some recent solid signs of life from Austin Hooper. He has been more productive over the past handful of weeks. Also, as I mentioned, David Njoku, uh, there's been some conflicting information about whether he's, you know, sort of asked for a second uh, trade request or if he's just available. But if he moves on, not that the Browns offense has been, you know, the most efficient operation and not that they have uh, heavily targeted Austin Hooper every single week, but he's come on strong of late. And if David Njoku is in fact traded, that would be one less tight end he's competing for targets with. And it's impossible to find, end, to find tight ends in general. Then you compound that with, you know, players like George Kittle already missing time, Zach Ertz going on IR, Dallas Goddard still on IR. There are very few reliable options at tight end because you know why? There's never a lot of reliable options at tight end in fantasy football. All right. Talk to me about everything good with Sling TV. Well, it's an interesting time right now in the world and everybody's looking for a little bit of value, right? And I think that's probably one of the most important things that, uh, people should know about Sling TV. This is one of the best values, if not the best value, to consume TV, live sports, and all of the media that you most care about. And specific to those of us that are football fans, uh, not everybody has uh, maybe a man cave with six TVs that they can watch all of the available games on at one time. But you can watch Red Zone through the NFL Network on Sling TV. And for anybody that spent an afternoon listening to Red Zone, you know that it's a rush. It's a wild ride that everybody enjoys. It is football nirvana for basically six hours on a Sunday afternoon. And Sling opens up that door for you. So appreciative of the opportunity to work with Sling. And for those that out there that are looking to consume 
even more football than they already have at their disposal right now, Sling is one of the best options. All right, Phil, great stuff. Thanks for taking time to talk with us. No problem, Matt. Always good to catch up. All right, be sure to follow Phil on Twitter at Field Yates. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Sean, Chris, let's get into our rankings for week eight. The guys at the top of the board for the quarterback position, probably no surprise to anyone who has been watching football for the past seven weeks. We have Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. I mean, you know, pretty standard. Let's talk about the guys that we are high on. Sean, and I should say, there was a a bet on this. So, Sean, you get to go first for the duration of the show. And I want you, before you talk about the quarterback uh, that you are high on this week, uh, I want you to remind us what the bet was uh, that earned you the right to go first. So last week, Raybon and I bet on Thursday Night Football, who will have more half PPR points, Richard Rogers or Evan Ingram? And I had Richard Rogers. And Chris Raybon had Evan Ingram. Um, and it was a pretty good bet. I mean, there were some times I thought he was going to win. There were some times I thought I was I had it locked up. But it was a good bet. Um, so I, I get to go first. Hopefully I steal plenty of Raybon's guys. Um, but at, at quarterback, hopefully, uh, you know, I, I would say Raybon likes these guys. So hopefully I'm stealing these too. But uh, the first guy I want to talk about is Joe Burrow. Um, he's inside my top 10 this week. He's my QB 10. Um, he faces the Titans this week who are not an imposing matchup to QBs this year. They've been, um, unable to really put much pressure on quarterbacks and, you know, Burrow, you know, he's playing behind that brutal offensive line. So I think getting just that much more time to throw this week will be huge for him. Um, AJ Green has been playing much better the past two weeks. So I think, you know, Burrow has three legit wide receivers going right now, Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, and AJ Green. So I think, this is a potential ceiling game for Joe Burrow. He's inside my top 10. Um, and the other guy I want to talk about is Teddy Bridgewater. He's, uh, he's playing Thursday Night Football, but this is my streamer play of the week at QB. He comes in at my QB 7 to start the week. Um, he's going up against Atlanta, which is a great matchup. Um, we saw this group all go off against the Falcons just a few weeks ago. So, I, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, Mike Davis, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore – um, you know, are all uh, elevated my projections this week. And I, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a lock for a QB1 performance this week. Yeah, Sean, I am with you there on Bridgewater. I also have him number seven. Raybon, who are some guys that you are high on this week? Uh, I'm going to go for that same game uh, that Sean talked about with Joe Burrow and Ryan Tannehill. You know, Sean brought him up last week. I think that was, you know, a good a good question to ask. And right now, Tannehill's my QB6 behind only Mahomes, Wilson, Rogers, uh, Lamar, and Josh Allen. So, um, you know, this is a guy who you're looking at a Cincinnati team that's last in the league in pressure rate. Um, they're banged up on defense. They're banged up on the line. And Ryan Tannehill and this Titans offense – uh, you know, even against that Pittsburgh team, they still did decently in the second half, still should have had 27. But um, Tannehill in his career in Tennessee has thrown multiple touchdowns in all but two starts in a regular season. So um, I, I like 
Love Tannehill this week. Um, people may not think of him as the every week QB one, but I think we're at that point where uh, week in, week out, especially when AJ Brown is healthy, uh, you're going to see Tannehill put up numbers. Yeah, and especially during the bye weeks, uh, you know, at, at this point, you know, and, and no Dak out there, you know, at this point, uh, you sort of take take whatever you can get that is above average. And Tannehill at this point has clearly proven himself to be above average. Uh, a quarterback I am high on, and I wasn't really expecting this, but uh, Tom Brady, I mean, he is very much round, rounding into form. Uh, he's getting it done with all of his receivers. Uh, Gronkowski has really started to look like he's found the fountain of youth. Like he's kind of, I mean, he's not like peak Gronkowski anymore, but he's better than like the 2018 zombie that we saw in his final year in New England. Like he's actually looking like a, a competent, uh, you know, full NFL tight end. So with Gronk coming on, uh, and we don't even get Antonio Brown this week. Uh, he comes back in week nine. But, you know, with Scotty Miller progressing, uh, and we might see a Mike Evans week because uh, it looks like Chris Godwin is going to be out. But I don't really even think that matters because, I mean, they just have so many weapons. Uh, they have Tyler Johnson uh, who can step in. They have Justin Watson. So there are just there are all of the receiving weapons around Brady uh, for him to be able to have a peak game and going against this Giants defense that I really do not respect. Uh, even if James Bradbury shadows Mike Evans and does a pretty good job of it, I still think Brady could have a pretty big game because there are so many other guys he could throw to and no one else in that Giants pass defense has been able to stop anyone except for Bradbury. So Brady is someone I'm relatively high on. Sean, who are you low on? So the one guy I'm low on this week, uh, it's kind of obvious, but uh, Cam Newton is all the way down to QB 18 uh, for me this week. And, you know, I think it's becoming clear that the lack of weapons in the passing game is a pretty big issue for him. Um, a couple weeks ago, I thought, you know, they, they had some offensive line injuries. They got uh, Shaq Mason and David Andrews back this week. I thought that might help, but nope. Uh, just a terrible performance. Um, and, you know, his rushing upside means he, he could have some games where he ends up being a top five quarterback. But at this point, I think you're better off, you know, having him go off on your bench or someone else's team other than relying on him week to week. Uh, I just think he has too low of a floor to be um, ranking inside my top 12 anymore. So he's he's all the way down to QB 18 for me. All right, Raybon, what about you? For me, it's going to be Ben Roethlisberger. He's all the way down to my QB 23. Pittsburgh, their offense is kind of stagnant, even with those playmakers. And, um, you know, Big, Big Ben is a quarterback who's not really giving you any rushing ability. And Pittsburgh's been bottom five in success rate and on offense and both run and pass. So they're kind of like grinding it out. And he's, he's, his yards per attempt is down. And if it wasn't for a lot of those Chase Claypool Big plays, uh, Big Ben stats would look pretty ugly. So going at Baltimore, division game, you expect it to be one of those kind of hard-nosed defensive game. The total's only 46, which uh, is pretty surprising. You would think, you know, those two teams, um, a lot of offense, but 46 is a very low total. Um, Big Ben on the road, we know he tends to not play quite as well uh, on the road. So I have him outside my top 20 this week, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. 
All right, you know, Raybon, I'm actually going to go the other side of that matchup. And I'm much lower on Lamar Jackson uh, than I thought I would be entering the week because we did see him rebound uh, in week six uh, with his rushing ability. And then he's coming off of the bye. But as you said, it is a very low total. uh, And we do have a Steelers defense that is pretty good. Uh, And so I have Lamar Jackson. I mean, I know I'm going to have to adjust this up somehow by bumping up his, his rushing share, but I have him at... Uh, QB 10 right now, but like some of that is uh, that the guys ahead of him have really good matchups. You know, if you look at, you know, like Teddy Bridgewater, I I mean, I have Bridgewater ahead of Lamar Jackson and a big chunk of that is just the matchup. Um, So, and, and then also the, the total in those games, you know, given that this is one of the lowest totals on the slate and uh, a tough defensive matchup. um, Yeah. You know, in the first run of projections, uh, I have Lamar at number 10. Sean, give us the quarterback prop, which, by the way, I should remind everyone that you can check out the Fantasy Labs player prop tool where the props with the bet quality of 10 have a 60% win rate over the past two years. And of course, when player props are posted, you can bet them at bet MGM. Sean, give us the quarterback prop. It's two a time. So we're going to have to do a uh, two a tongue of Iowa uh, passing yards prop here. Um, right now, I have his projection at 240 and a half. And if you guys, if you guys want to say if if you think this helps or hurts the offense, or if there's any you know certain pass catchers you think will benefit from this move, but uh, are you guys over under that? I mean, donkey that I am, you know, I'm normally on on the overs here, but I have it at uh, two forty four and a half, so pretty pretty close yeah. where where you are. And if I had to take a side, in reality, I would be taking the under here, but I'll I'll stick with the the number that I have. Mm-mm. I have a 250, so I'm going to go over. It's, I mean, it's really close. I kind of feel like I should lower it. The Rams defense looked pretty good. Yeah. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to go under. I'm still going to go under because I, I, I need to lower it a little bit. So, because like, if you look at the Rams, they like with Jalen Ramsey, they're going to probably be able to take away uh, Devontae Parker. They're really yeah. just good against wide receivers, period. I think the player that it's going to help the most to be honest, is Miles Gaskin because he's already been getting a ton of receiving work. And if they if they're going to Tua, that means they kind of had it planned out the whole time, which probably means they may they could go even a little more run heavy than they've been going. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it helps Gaskin the most out of any uh, skill player on the Dolphins. Yeah, I'm just wondering, you know, I don't know what's going on with Mike Trusecki. Last week was a catchless game. I mean, it can't hurt him because I haven't been able to figure out why he's been doing so bad. So I think that, um, you know, I, I hate to do it, but I'm going a little bit back to the Jaseki well this week, just hoping that Tua might, um, you know, target him a bit more. But uh, yeah, I, uh, Devontae Parker's uh, questionable, I think. So we might need to follow up on that. But uh, yeah, I just think in general, this might hurt the offense overall because Fitz was playing yeah. pretty good, you know, back-to-back three touchdown games. So uh, I, I'm, I've been downgrading the Dolphins offense as a whole uh, with this move. You know, you know why uh, I think I can answer that question, why Jacecki's having trouble? It's Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey's like mm. a notorious just like tight end fader. Like it's like he had offenses where tight ends would run like 20% like snap play like 20% snaps a game. And, and so like Gasecki is well, like a new thing for him right now. I feel like. Well, I mean, he would have fooled me week two when he was using Gasecki as like a slot receiver and right. you know, stuff like that. But then no, uh, just, you know, one catch games. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's been hard to figure out because he is talented enough to be, you know, a top five tight end. So uh, I guess we'll see. 
Okay, let's talk about the running backs uh, that we have at the top of our rankings. And uh, those guys, again, probably no surprise. Uh, we have Alvin Kamara, number one, uh, Kareem Hunt, number two, and Derek Henry, number three. Uh, Sean, talk to me about some guys that you are high on this week. Uh, so the first guy I'm high on is uh, a little bit of wild card, but it's Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I have him running back 28 right now, but I think in DFS he makes total sense. Is this you know GPP flyer? Uh, the, you know this is hashtag revenge game for him. The Chiefs were favored by 20 points. You know that might be a little too low. We'll see. I think there, this game could be permanent garbage time. Um, and I personally have not felt Le'Veon Bell is really a threat to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's you know, long-term value as much as other people. I think that he was brought in for situations like this. You know, we've, we've noted time and time uh, this season that the Chiefs, they, they tend to run the ball a little bit more this year when they have the lead. So I think Le'Veon Bell could be a guy that gets some of these garbage uh, time carries. So I, I love his upside this week. I think he's a potential low, low-end RB2 flex type of play. Uh, he's worth a flyer, in my opinion. Um, and the other guy is Cream Hunt. Um, you know, he's my running back three uh, he's way too cheap in DFS. He's 6,900. Um, I think he's, you know, he's disappointed um, re- replacing Chubb. I think we all thought he was going to be a top three, top five back um, with, with Chubb out. But, you know, the, the schedule has been pretty tough for him. Um, so I've been, you know, ranking him, you know, RB7 uh, most of these weeks. But this week should be a blow up spot for him against the Raiders. Um, we finally saw his passing game uh, usage increase up to 76% routes run per drop back. So I think this could be a ceiling game for cream hunt. So I'm gonna have a ton of uh, hunt in DFS given his, his price is way too low at 6,900. All right, Raybon, who do you like? I like Jonathan Taylor uh, this week going against Detroit. That's one of the worst run defenses uh, in the league. I think, you know, Taylor coming off the bye, uh, we've kind of forgotten about him. The, the backfield work has been a little shaky and kind of up and down because Indianapolis has had some weird game scripts, but uh, I really like Taylor to rebound uh, this week. And, uh, Josh Jacobs is down at 6,200. I, I like him to to have a, a good game as well. Uh, Cle- that Cleveland defense is not very good. I, I mean, I know they have some some pieces on that line, but uh, overall, this is a team that's been giving up a ton of points, and I think this will be a high-scoring game. Uh, and, uh, you know, as long as the O-line is – as long as we don't have five O-linemen out, and, you know, and uh, I think in – like last week, Going against Tampa, I mean that's a nightmare run defense. So uh, I think Jacobs, you know, take the take the uh, discount that you get from from facing that Tampa Bay defense uh, because sixty two hundred uh, is way way too low for Josh Jacobs. All right, a guy who has caught my eye, and I'll just say I probably need to adjust my rankings uh, and the market share that I'm giving to him. But Jarek McKinnon, uh, I think he's going to be the lead back. And I'm, I'm basing this on almost nothing because it's a Shanahan backfield. How do we know? We know nothing, right? I'll just say that. We know nothing. No one would have predicted that Jeffrey Wilson in week seven would, uh, would lead the backfield and then especially go on to have a massive performance. Um, but we did have after the game, Kyle Shanahan saying that uh, it was a planned thing for them to rest Jarek McKinnon 
uh, and not overuse him in week seven because they used him more than they had originally planned on earlier in the year. Uh, And so I'm not reading too much into the usage that we saw out of Jamichael Hasey, although I think he certainly will play second fiddle uh, and and will get carries. But I do think that McKinnon is going to be the guy, Uh, even though he did nothing last week. That's actually pretty similar to what we saw with Wilson, who uh, was really doing nothing in the games previous to his week seven breakout. So I think McKinnon is going to be the guy who leads that backfield. And uh, right now, I would say I aggressively have him ranked number 13. So uh, just outside the top 12, but you know, someone we know in that backfield, someone is going to go off or there's at least the potential for someone to do it. And based on what we've seen out of McKinnon so far earlier in the year, uh, I do think that he's going to get the majority of the backfield work and that will result in production. Sean, who are you low on? I'm low on Ronald Jones this week. Uh, I have him ranked RB19, and I I just want to say that despite my good projections for him, I think he has one of the lowest floors of the RB2s. Um, You know, Leonard Fournette uh, looked pretty healthy last week, and he out-touched him. This is a situation where, um, you know, this could turn into timeshare this week at worst, or... You know, uh, you know, he could lose his job to to Fournette outright this week. Um, and he plays Monday night. So I'd be careful. If if you have a running back in this range, I would start him over Ronald Jones just due to just the the wide range of outcomes right now. And you know, this has been a concern uh for a while with Jones. And I think that time has come where we kind of have to be careful of him. Um and the other guy is uh DeAndre Swift. Not that I'm low on him long term. Um, I love his upside, and I think you know, over the next few weeks, we're gonna see him really overtake. Adrian Peterson, it was it was good to see Kerryon Johnson completely phased out. I mean, he had zero touches last week. So this could turn into, you know, DeAndre Swift's backfield. But, you know, AP still out-touched him last week. This is a tough matchup against the Colts. Uh, they ranked sixth in DVOA versus the run. So I don't think we're going to see uh, another huge game from Swift this week. Um, and he's, you know, he's pretty cheap at 5,300. I think he's going to be pretty high-owned. I think a good pivot is the guy that Raybon mentioned earlier is Miles Gaskin. It's 5,200. I think he's going to be under on there. So I think uh, this is just a pivot situation for me uh, where I'm going to be fading a guy like Swift that's going to be pretty popular and go with uh, Gaskin at at the same price. Raybon, who are you fading? Devin Singletary. uh, We talked about him last week. You know, with Zach Moss there, he's averaging about five less carries per game. Uh, We saw Moss's workload started to tick up. And in the fourth quarter, we saw – um, Moss getting carries uh, over Singletary when they were trying to milk the clock. So um, Buffalo is a small favorite against New England, but New England's been, you know, until Jeff Wilson gashed them, they've been pretty solid against a run. Um, but this Buffalo team just not very good at, at run blocking. And uh, they came out throwing the ball all over against the Jets. Uh, so it's kind of, there's a, it's a high variant situation. And I think Singletary's trending down. And this is another situation where, um, you want to kind of buy into to the rookies and you want to buy into Moss now because he's probably um, going to uptick now that he's healthy. You guys know who I'm going to say. It's the guy that I've been saying for the past two weeks. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I'm low on Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, and, you know, two weeks ago, that maybe didn't look all that great. Uh, although I would say like there was, uh, you know, some hidden cause for concern there. Um you know, what we saw out of Zeke two weeks ago was that he had only 49 yards on 12 carries. 
uh, that's not great, but he was able to compensate by having 10 targets, which he turned into eight receptions, but again, only 31 yards. Uh, that's not something that was sustainable. And that definitely came back to roost in week seven when he again had 12 carries, but now only two targets and had a total of just 51 yards. Uh, this is a situation where he's missing every offensive line uh, every offensive lineman who has ever meant anything to him uh, going back to grade school. Uh, it's a horrible situation along the offensive line. It's looking likelier that uh, he's going to have a third string seventh round rookie quarterback uh, at the helm of that offense, as opposed to the veteran Andy Dalton, who, by the way, like Dalton wasn't doing all that great on his own, uh, but the guy uh, who couldn't beat out Dalton, that's the guy who's probably going to be starting this week. Uh, this is a low total. Uh, I believe right now a 43 and a half point total. Uh, the Cowboys are seven and a half point underdogs. That gives them an implied total of 18 points. 18 points. That's like Jets level bad <laughs> on offense. Like if, if this is an offense that can't sustain drives and an offense that can't give Zeke efficient opportunities, much less goal line opportunities, like, what are we excited about? He he basically became like a bad version of Todd Gurley. Like, I'm just, uh, I'm like full fade on Ezekiel Elliott from now until uh, eternity, probably, uh, or until we see some competent offensive line play or just offense in general. But with a an implied total this low, uh, and based on what we've seen the past two weeks, there's just absolutely no way that I can put Zeke uh, in my my top 10. So, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a good idea to go the full fade of putting him at number 20, but man, like that's just, that's just where he's coming out because I don't, I don't see him getting touchdowns. So I am out on Ezekiel Elliott, Sean, give us the prop. And if it's a prop that has to do with Zeke, I will riot. Well, uh, get ready to riot because I got a lot of insights. (laughs) It's like somebody coming up to the sports book counter and just complaining about a game and then, okay, I'll bet it now. And then I offer like a line knowing all of your uh, (laughs) beefs. So, yeah, I mean, when it comes to uh, projecting running backs, I I like thinking when, when I come to a backfield, like, is it comfortable to project them? Is it uncomfortable? I would say the Buccaneers 49ers are probably the most uncomfortable team to project this week, but nothing is more uncomfortable than projecting Ezekiel Elliott's rushing yards. So I need some help with this. Um, Thank you, Freeman, for all your insight. Uh, I, I lowered it quite a bit. Uh, but right now I have my projection at 62 and a half rushing yards, which is, it feels crazy to say, but that's, that's where I'm at. Oh yeah. Now I'm over. I got, I got, him at, <laughs> I got him at 77. And by the way, I'm buying Zeke everywhere, like every, everywhere, like just give me all of the Zeke because like, listen, he's, I, I've called out Andy Dalton week after week. He's terrible. They're, the guy who's behind him is probably terrible, but at the end of the day, running back production is going to come down to usage. And what is Dallas going to do if they have a, a, a quarterback no one ever heard of? They're going to give Zeke like 35 touches. Like, you know, like it, I, I want Zeke just on the like off chance he gets this halfway turned around. You're never going to get to buy a player with that kind of upside for as low as, as this. Um, like there's very, it's very rare that you get this kind of opportunity and it's only, it's been two games and two of probably the worst kind of games that could have happened and they happen to go back to back. So I think in my opinion, I think we should be capitalizing on this. Like I get it. Like there's downside, but how often do you get to buy a dude like Zeke for probably like, you know, a wide receiver two or three. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree on the buy low. I, I would think that they would um, generate touches just passing it to him, just given the offensive line issues. That might make more sense. So I think his his fancy value is still top ten uh, this week, but just I think it's going to come at the expense of rushing yards. Just behind this offensive line and a trailing game script uh, is is partially why I have it so low. I don't know. The Eagles gave up a what an eighty should have gave up a ninety two yard run to Daniel Jones. Oh. <laughs> So who knows, man? This NFC East is just like a shit show. Just a fucking shit show. <laughs> I mean, like, here's, here's one thing that uh, gives me even more pause when it comes to Zeke. By the way, I'll, I'll be the donkey who takes the under here, even though I know you moved the line down. No, I think, I think the line will be around this range. Okay. I mean, so posted, I yeah. will, I mean, I'll, I'll take the under, although I just, I know, I know I shouldn't do it. But I'm in a I'm in a position of hatred right now. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott in the past two weeks has had just 45 percent of the team's carries. He's not even getting the full treatment. Like you could say they want to give him 30 touches per game, but that's not even close to the way that we've seen them use him in the past two weeks. So it's a situation where the offense is getting worse, and he's not getting nearly the usage that you would expect. So I will. I will take the under uh, on Ezekiel Elliott. I, I can't believe this is what's happening to me right now. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. Okay, let's talk about the wide receivers. The guys that we have at the top of our rankings, Devontae Adams, Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf. We have two Seahawks at the, the top of our rankings. It, it makes me think of... A couple of weeks last year where we had both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin at the top of our rankings. That's really where we are with these two Seahawks wide receivers who have just been totally dominant in the first half of the season. Sean, who do you like for week seven? So I'm going to nominate a player I know for sure Raybon wants and one player I know for sure Raybon would never nominate ever. So here we go. <laughs> um, I, I'm going cheaper guys that I, I think are, you know, potential wide receiver four flex type of bi-week fill-in options and, you know, tremendous DFS plays this week. And the first one's Denzel Mims at 3,200. Um, I mean, even if Crowder ends up playing, I think he's a steal at this price. Uh, last week, I, I thought he was going to be limited in his debut, but, you know, he ran around on 80% of dropbacks. So I think that that could be above 90 this week. I think he's already a full-time player. You know, they're they're playing at KC as, you know, like 50-point underdogs. So th- this could be a game where th- there's a ton of passing volume. Um, and he did. He looked good. Uh, he went four catches for 42 yards. 
Um, so I don't think people are going to be flocking to him, but it kind of goes with what Raybon was saying is, you know, invest on these rookies before they go off. And I think Denzel Mims could be one of those guys over the next couple of weeks. And yeah, if Jamison Crowder is out, I think uh, people will gravitate towards him and he'll be a free square. Um, and the other guy is uh, Kendrick Bourne at 3,500. This is a guy I wouldn't expect Raybon to nominate. But, what? You have never heard me in Freeman oh. on the serious show. Bro, Kendrick Bourne oh, is wait, like yeah, wait, I, I got it mixed up. I think Freeman's one that shits on Bourne. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways. My dude, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. I stole both of your guys. I hope. Ah. Uh, so... Uh, you know, Debo's already been ruled out, and I don't think this was factored in the pricing because it, it was announced um, Monday. Um, but, you know, the, the passing game will be elevated against Seattle. Uh, and Bourne usually does step up when he gets the call uh, and, you know, increase in playing time. So, um, you know, I think he has elevated touchdown odds this week. You, you know, we all know um, he's sort of the, the one of the low-key red zone uh, weapons in this offense. So I, I love Bourne this week at 3,500. I think he'll be pretty highly owned, but I, I'm willing to go with the chalk here. All right, Raybon, who do you like? Man. First uh, of all, did he steal your guys? Nah, I mean, well, Mims, I was going to mention. So yes, yeah. Mims, definitely. Um, I wasn't even, I was going to, I was going to talk about, uh, I was going to say Ayuk just because I think he's a, you know, a, like he's kind of, this is another rookie that's going to kind of be, um, you know, breakout ready to go kind of thing. So um, I like Ayuk as well, but I think Bourne's a good call. And uh, I like AJ Brown at the top, kind of the, that like top end studs this week. I mean, you have Adams, you have Metcalf and all those guys that are going to be uh, popular Thielen, Lockett. Uh, so Brown at 6,900 may not get quite as much ownership as um, you know, he, you would think he would, but uh, him and then Tyree Kill at 6,700, both of those guys I think are, um, you know, great cash game plays because like last week, I think it was a smash Devontae week, but he's up to 8,800 now. Uh, and Metcalf, we kind of saw that there can be some, some volatility there. And San Francisco has been better uh, with, their, with their defense after that. Like they got rid of their, their practice squad uh, corner. So uh, I, I like those two guys at the top. And then I think Jarvis Landry is a guy that we have to, uh, consider now because you know Odell Beckham out for the year uh, Cleveland really doesn't have many options at receiver they don't throw a lot and they use a lot of two tight end but Jarvis Landry is going to be that the number one receiver he's probably going to run a route on um, about 90 to 95 percent of the dropbacks I would think which is going to be a little up from what he's been doing uh, and he's 5600 and he's very capable of putting up a big game in a game against Vegas where again, Cleveland's defense has not been good and like, yes, they're going to run the football, but they're going to have to throw at some point. Uh, and I think Landry could have a, a big game in that mid-price tier. All right. One guy I'm looking at is Cooper Cup. And uh, both of you guys have him outside of the top 12. I have him at number nine. Uh, and I think a big part of it is just uh, one, the matchup. Uh, he has a very advantageous slot matchup going against uh, Nick Needham in Miami, who's a you know undrafted second-year guy who is kind of like a backup who's been thrust into a starting role uh, just because Miami is dissatisfied with the, the recent play of their uh, first-rounder. Uh, and so a guy who really shouldn't be out there, who's more of a special teamer is getting significant action. Uh, and so I think it's a, a really advantageous matchup. Uh, and then on top of that, I mean, Cup is still the number one receiver in that offense, just in terms of market share. Uh, and so 
I am expecting him, you know, especially coming off a Monday night game in which he did really very little, uh, expecting him to be maybe a little bit uh, kind of in a bounce back spot of like the higher range of what you might expect from him in terms of his target share. So I have him uh, at number nine and uh, you know, he's like just consistently like continuing to pace for like another like thousand yard season uh, probably more like 1100 yards, which like, you know, all things considered is not bad. So have him at number nine, Sean, who are you low on? Uh, I, I'm low on Marquise Brown this week. Uh, he's 6,100. He's facing Pittsburgh. I love Brown's upside the rest of the season. I think we he's been sort of a high floor, low ceiling type of player this year, which is kind of weird. I think we will see a breakout game uh, at some point. But, you know, over the next four or five games, his, his schedule is pretty brutal. He plays the Steelers this week. Uh, then again, in four weeks, they play the Steelers. Um, he plays the Colts. Um, and then the Patriots and then, you know, the Titans might be a little bit easier matchup. Um, but, you know, the the last four weeks he faces the Cowboys, Browns, Jaguars and Giants. So if you're in season long leagues, I think um, sort of use this time that over the next few weeks to buy low on Marquise Brown, because I think he will go off when it matters the most in the fantasy playoffs. But right now, I just I think his his floor is way lower this week against Pittsburgh. So I'll be fading him uh, at 6100 uh, in DFS this week. Raybon, who are you high on? Sorry, who are you low on? For me, I think it's going to be uh, Adam Thielen. Um, he's the th- probably the third highest price receiver if Michael Thomas is out again. Um, Green Bay's been really good against number one receivers this year. They are allowing 38.1 schedule adjusted yards per game to number ones. That is the uh, best in the league. And so, you know, Thielen is kind of – uh, a guy who's put up some huge monster games uh, and then he went on a bye. but I think people are going to kind of look at those game logs and see nothing but, you know, double digits except for that one Indianapolis game. But uh, I think this could be kind of a slower game or at least not like a ceiling game, kind of like Will Fuller last week where I think he did get a touchdown, but it wasn't really the true ceiling game that people um, were looking for out of him. So uh, I think you're going to see the same thing out of Thielen, like one of his more mediocre games of this year. And Allen Robinson's another guy. Uh, we saw him get banged up on Monday night football. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what happened to him or if he's, if he's entering the protocol or not, but right now he looks like he's questionable. Uh, this Chicago offense has just been uh, abysmal. And I think the, the, the saints are going to be able to, uh, defend him you know they, they got their corners healthy again Jenkins and uh, and Lattimore and uh, I think they're going to they're going to be able to take a banged up Robinson out of the game if he's if he's even healthy so um, he's another guy that I'm, I'm off this week yeah right but I'm uh, with you there on Allen Robinson uh, one guy further down the board for me that I realized I am very low on is uh, Corey Davis uh, you guys have him as more of a wide receiver three I have him at number 47 Um, and a big part of it is that, uh, even though he's gotten a decent number of targets, uh, I think that's a little bit fluky. I do think that the Titans are going to have maybe a little more of a run heavy script, uh, in this game. Uh, and so he might just have fewer targets to begin with. And then also it's not as if he's been all that, um, all that efficient, with his targets. I mean, I don't want to say, although I have said this before that uh, every target that goes to Corey Davis is a crime against humanity, but uh, you know, like there are other guys who should be getting those targets, like shift those targets away from Corey Davis and toward AJ Brown, toward Johnny Smith, even like toward Anthony Ferkser, right. Toward Derrick Henry, get, get them away 
from Corey Davis. That guy should be target repellent. But anyway, I mean, he had 35 yards on 10 targets last week. Like, come on, this is not the guy who should be getting targets. And uh, going against uh, Cincinnati, uh, I don't think that uh, we are going to see a Tennessee team that really needs to throw the ball all that much. So uh, that is why I am low on Corey Davis. Sean, give us the prop. So we're going to go with Chase Claypool receiving yards just as a way to talk about the Steeler uh, wide receiver situation. Um, you know, it, we, right when we thought Chase Claypool was breaking out, they, they go right back to Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster. Both of them caught nine balls last week, and Chase Claypool, Claypool ended with one catch for minus two yards. So I think people need some help here trying to figure this out. Um, right now, I'm still projecting uh, Claypool to bounce back. I have his projection at – uh, 54 and a half receiving yards. Where, where do you guys have him? This is one of the few times where uh, I will be looking to take the under, but uh, just barely. I have it around 51 and a half. Uh, and by the time I end up adjusting Deontay Johnson out, because like we just don't know yet. So I have him, you know, adjusted right now for like 10% of the market share, but mm. he left uh, week seven injured. Uh, and so we really just don't know uh, what his status is going to be. And so if Johnson ends up being out, then I would probably end up being on the over here. But as of now, I'm on the under. You said the line was 54 and a half, Sean? Yeah, 54 and a half. I, I should probably put a caveat that Johnson has to play, but it, we'll, we'll just wing it. So you, you can take it. I still have Johnson actually projected, I think, as yeah. the, the fourth wide receiver. Or him mm-hmm. – yeah, I have him as the wide receiver four right now. But um, I have Claypool at 55.4. So I, nice. I, I am 0.9 over your 54.5. So I'll take the over. Listen, uh, you know, we see, we've seen the talent. We've seen that this, this offense is still uh, – I think it's 20, 24th or 23rd in yards per play. They haven't really been good. They've been struggling. So I, I don't think they're going to go away from Claypool. And we still did yeah. see him – um, run over half the dropbacks uh, last week. And uh, James Washington was actually the guy that took the back seat. So you had uh, Johnson, no, Juju at 94%, Johnson at 86%, Claypool at 66%, and then Washington 24%. So uh, that to me, every time, you know, every, any time you have a bunch of good receivers on a team like this, you're going to have a couple of weeks where they just have a really bad a game. I mean, Chase Claypool's game was pretty much the same as DK Metcalf's game, but we have him ranked like number three, right? So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to overreact, uh, bet on talent, uh, and uh, and don't fade rookies this time of year. If anything, be aggressive with them. Yeah, I, I would say that's the takeaway for me, too, is don't expect four touchdown games from him going forward. Um, but, you know, he's still potentially a league-winning pickup um, in week six, so don't let the one-catch game discourage you. Keep him in your lineup. You don't want him to go off on your bench. All right, the guys at the top of our tight end rankings, we have George Kittle, Darren Waller, and Travis Kelsey. Sean, who are you high on? Uh, I, I'm high on Harrison Bryant. Uh, and, you know, it might seem point chasey considering he just caught two touchdowns, but I think it was pretty uh, predictive if you if you were paying attention to um, Sunday morning updates. Uh, he was announced starting over David Joku 
Um, and this is a tight end friendly offense. So w- without Odell Beckham, I'm keeping uh, Harrison Bryant in the starting lineup for them. He should see over 60% of routes run per drop back, I think, this week. Um, so he's in my uh, top 10 uh, tight ends this week. So at 3,200 on, on DraftKings, I think he's pretty much a free square that play this week, um, considering just how poor uh, the tight end position is as a whole outside of the top three guys. Um, so I'll be uh, loading up on Harrison Bryant this week. I think he'll he'll – um, you know, have the potential to, to have another big game this week. Raybon, who are you high on? Let's go with John Smith, you know, came off the kind of a, a slow game injured the, the week before only played split essentially split time with Ferks or even last week. Um, now he's two weeks removed. I think he'll come back uh, and get up to his normal, you know, 65 ish percent of the dropbacks, which uh, in a week like this, I think, uh, is still very valuable because you look at his matchup and he's going against the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cincinnati Bengals are allowing uh, 71.4 schedule adjusted yards per game to tight ends. Uh, that is the most in the league. And that's actually more than they're allowing to uh, wide receiver ones or wide receiver twos or uh, running back. So uh, this could be a big game for John and he's, been consistently a guy that's going to do uh, put up big games, even though he's not running a, a super majority of routes. So uh, I think that, you know, the last two weeks, it, it's kind of lowering the market on him, but uh, I expect him to be a little healthier this week and to be a, a, a much bigger part of the game plan. All right. One guy I am high on, and I'll just say I am anticipating that uh, I will probably adjust this down, but I don't know if I want to. Uh, I am high on Albert, Okaway Boonham, I think I said his name uh, correctly, but I, I really don't know. Uh, I'm going to keep trying, though, because it's a name we need to know, because this this guy, I think, really could be a star. Uh, he's been active only two games. Uh, one of them was with Fant out. So maybe he saw you know some inflated usage because of that. But he's had a 21 percent target share in his two games. Uh, and we have Tim Patrick, who has been the number one perimeter receiver for the Broncos. Uh, he's injured. So we don't know for sure if he's going to play. Uh, so we could see uh, maybe a few more targets going towards Albert. O. and he does have that shower narrative connection with college quarterback drew lock. There's a, a situation where this guy, I think he's going to get targets. Uh, he has that connection, the longstanding connection with his quarterback. And uh, I mean, he's just so dynamic. I don't want to say that he's like young Jimmy Graham, but he definitely has like kind of that plain style and that athletic ability. So a guy who's gotten six targets, seven targets the past two weeks, um, at a position where guys aren't really getting that much volume. Uh, I mean, even if you adjust him down from the 21% target share he had over the past two weeks to something more reasonable like 16% or 14%, that's still pretty decent. And with his playmaking ability, that could end up actually you know, accounting for something, not insignificant. So I have him at number nine. I will probably adjust him down somehow, but man, I really don't want to. Like, I, I want to be high on Albert O this week. Nine? Wait, what? What? Nine? Yes, can we, nine. Can, yeah. I get a gut, can I get a gut check on that, Sean? Where do you have them? I mean, well, it's it's not crazy, crazy, because just the tight end position is so weak um, for this week. But, yeah, I was watching the game, and it, Noah Fant ended with, like, three catches for 40 yards. But after every catch, Noah Fant was, like, crawling off the field saying, take me out, take me out. He is not over this ankle injury. I don't think Noah Fant's even close to 100%. So I, I, I love the Albert O call. Even if Fant's playing, I think that 
uh, Albert could leave the team uh, in snaps this week. Uh, so I don't think it's that crazy at all. Uh, obviously, you know, top 10 is pretty crazy, but it's aggressive. Of, yeah, it's pretty aggressive, but I, I like the, the boldness. It's, okay. it's aggressive. It's aggressive. I, I know that, but uh, I'm, I'm going to be aggressive on him. I mean, I mean, know, I have Richard Rogers and Harrison Bryant in my top 10. That's why this I'm is, not, this is know, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it's, it's a, it's a type of week where I feel like a lot of players could slip into the bottom of the top 10. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sean, who are you low on? So, uh, although he's my tight end six this week, again, the tight end positions, a disaster this week, I'm low on TJ Hawkinson uh, and DFS. And I've, you know, I've loaded up on TJ the past couple weeks, but, you know, he's 5,300 this week. Um, they're playing the Colts, who are a pretty tough matchup. They're third in DVOA against uh, passing. So, you know, I, I'm low on him, and especially since there's so many good cheap options. Well, good is a subjective term, but like I said, there's plenty of good cheap options this week where I think you're either going to want to take one of the top three guys or just spend down. I think TJ Hawkinson is, you know, a bit of a trap at 5,300. So I'll be uh, completely fading this him this week after, you know, being pretty high on him the past couple weeks. Rayvon, who are you fading? I don't like, I don't like anyone enough to hate anyone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. It's like, I, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with uh, Mike Gusecki. I mean, he's the tight end six and I, I just can't justify that right now, given, you know, Sean, we talked about it. Like, he's been up and down. I, I don't I, – I, you know, new rookie quarterback. Um, this is not like a situation where, you know, sometimes you have like a, a rookie quarterback or a, a second teamer. They've been practicing with th- these other second teamers. But Gasicki is a starter, so I, I can't justify, um, you know, p- paying more for him than – uh, even a banged up Noah fan. And, and I'll just throw Tyler Higby's name out there in the same game. Uh, who knows if he's even going to play, but I mean, we've seen this week in week out. Now he's playing about 50% uh, of the dropbacks, even when he's healthy. And uh, you know, we saw Johnny Munt flash uh, on Monday night football. So there's not like there's any kind of urgency here to, to play Mr. Tyler Higby anymore. So um, yeah, I, I'll go with Gisicki and Higby. Yeah, uh, I love how I'm the only one who puts his players into the outline, and then uh, Rayvon, you managed to steal Gesicki from me after being like, "Yeah, I don't really, li- I don't really <laughs> like anyone enough to dislike anyone." Anyway, well, it's true. <laughs> no, but but you're right. Everything. I don't even need to talk about Gesicki because you you said everything that needs to be said uh, about him. Uh, very inconsistent with his targets. Uh, we just can't depend on him. Sean, give us the prop. Oh man, so it's brutal this week, but. Uh, I'm going to go with Harrison Bryant total receiving yards because, like I said, he's in my top 10. Um, and my projection for him is pretty low. So I, I have his uh, receiving yards at 33 and a half. So am I just crazy or is the position just a nightmare this week? I have it literally at 33.3. Okay, so under, got it. Yeah, so, so hard, hard under. <laughs> I mean, I think I think Friedman's projection is totally egregious because I have it at thirty-two point oh. Oh, okay. I'm way, <laughs> way too high. No wonder he's in my top ten. But, but to be honest, to be fair, I have him project. So Cleveland's tight end one um, this year has been running around uh, about seventy percent, around on seventy percent of the dropback. So I actually have him projected at seventy percent. Uh, but he's a yeah, he's a little lower for me. He's coming in at te 16 uh and then i have Njoku at at uh at, at 23 
Bryant ran 59% of the routes last week and Njoku 41. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Just the underlying usage is there for him to put up the yards. I, you know, my touchdown projection for him is fairly low. I, I the two touchdowns was certainly a fluke, but uh, just the underlying usage is there to see more targets this week. I, I will want to ask one thing though: with David Njoku potentially on the trading block, do they feature him this week? Uh, to sort of, you know, that's the only concern I have with Bryant is. Joku getting you know more playing time just so they can uh, get more bang for their buck for him. What do you think? I don't know if even if they wanted to feature in Joku, he could take advantage of it. Like, and Joku's been such <laughs> such kind of like a Ouch. you know what I mean? I mean, no, I like I like the guy and he's got some talent, but I mean, when has he really ever? We you know. <laughs> right right but yeah no that like i i think i think bryant is the guy they obviously like because they were playing him a lot from the jump like i feel like the first game of the year against baltimore bryant was like playing like in catching passes way more than we ever thought he would and like hooper was taking a back seat at first so uh, i think they like bryant a lot and you're only gonna yeah. see him go up for here again i'm by the rookies i'll probably honestly raise him because by rookies that's 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 the motto what a world we live in where it's week eight and we're talking about two fourth round uh, rookie tight ends in Albert O and Harrison Bryant. Uh, it's just, that's, I, I feel like that's perfectly emblematic of the middle point of the season, you know, week eight by weeks in the year of our uh, fantasy Lord 2020. All right. That is going to do it for this episode. Uh, you can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the action network app at the underscore odds maker, Chris Raybon and Matt F the Oracle use the app to get real time odds and track your bets for free. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show and listen and download on Spotify. See you again next episode. We're finished talking.